Welcome to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. Now here's our mama. Hey y'all, welcome back to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. You guys, today I have a very, very special guest. She is a licensed mental health clinician. Her name is Joni Dixon Garcia, and she's here with me to discuss everything that we're all going through post-pandemic. There are so many issues that we're all facing now that we really haven't ever had to face before. So I think that speaking with a therapist really helps. And also I want to basically you know, normalize therapy in general, that if you are feeling a certain way and you wanna process those feelings, therapist is a perfect solution for that. And um, a resource that you really should be utilizing. So I'm so happy to have her here. Joni, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Of course, it's my absolute pleasure. And first of all, how did you get into the field? It's a good question. Um, Actually, I kind of, uh, (laughs) as a child, I was watching, you know, people that I love, I thought are like, good-hearted people struggling and struggling just to get along, to just be nice to each other, you know, um, and I would just kind of watch and and notice like, oh, maybe there's this misunderstanding or maybe so-and-so feels like this and the other person's not getting it. I was already observing and analyzing. And then I think ever since I was a teenager, I, you know, it was a while before I knew what a therapist was and there was no mental health services. Like people in my family and my culture didn't just didn't talk about therapy as even a thing at all um and so somewhere along the line I discovered there was a thing called a therapist and I um wanted to do it since I was a teenager so um it's been a long a long route um and then it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s when um you know about 2008 when the housing market crashed and I lost my my job at Washington Mutual and I'd, I'd had my bachelor's degree in psychology, but I didn't pursue becoming a therapist at that time because I already had kids and life was just really tough. Um, and you know, that, that, um, crash was like a, that was a reset period, you know, for me. And it was an opportunity to reevaluate what I wanted to do. And my mom said, Hey, you remember you wanted to be a therapist? (laughs) Oh, that's right. I did. Um, and so I decided to go back to school, even though I already had three children and started graduate school when my youngest was a year old. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you have three children, right? I have four. four I had four. another child when I was in the licensing process after I had my master's degree, but I was still, you have to do a lot of like um, post degree hours to earn until you can actually do the licensing exam. So, I was in the middle of that process. Oh, my God. You know, when I had my fourth child. <laughs> Super so. mom over here doing it all. Oh, seriously. I don't know about that. There's a lot of sacrifice. <laughs> so, people will often ask. How did you do it? I said, well, I didn't always do it well. (laughs) It's not necessarily something I would uh, recommend doing it the way I did it. Um, But there are times when, you know, you don't always know how hard something's going to be going forward, you know, and when you're an optimist, then (laughs) you tend to do that. So a lot of compassion and forgiveness and honoring the sacrifice that I made, that my children made, you know, as well is something I've had to really work on, you know, to kind of reconcile all the sacrifices I made for my career and my commitment to community with my commitment to my own family. And that's something I think a lot of, a lot of parents go through and their commitment to community might be their, their place of work or, you know, right. volunteering at the school or whatever, you know, um, 
can mean a lot of different things and trying to balance that with your obligations to your family is not always easy. <laughs> no, definitely not. But I think it's very admirable what you've done. And you and I both have very supportive husbands. So thank God for mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so you talked about reevaluation and that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today and kind of pivoting and what to do when things, you know, don't go the way that you've planned them, that you, you had originally planned them to go. And especially with the pandemic, you know, now us being kind of post-pandemic here, how all of us are just faced with these choices of, you know, in these roads of, okay, do I want to keep continuing what I did pre-pandemic or do I want to do something different? So let's talk about reevaluation. When you have clients that come in and are kind of struggling with that, where do you have them start as far as like trying to figure that out? Yeah. Um, well, I think initially, you know, when the pandemic first started, then it was like, hey, we really got to think about obviously staying safe and what we're going to do for our kids. And then also then, you know, once you kind of are tolerating that and you're like, okay, this I'm adjusting to, to this, like what normal is going to be right now, then we can look at what are opportunities here. Um, and what are some things that you realize that you like about, you know, being on lockdown? Like, certainly I would never like want something to happen you know there may be some things I benefited from this but I would never say that that's worth the pain and suffering that you know and the and you know unfortunately a lot of people losing loved ones but, but I wouldn't trade that I mean I would I would rather live my life like I had a year and a half ago than to have had this happen right however we can't control that it you know we, we it did happen so as we're going through you know looking at our own lives you know asking ourselves what did we notice that we we liked? You know, maybe it's extra time at home. Maybe it's just not being as busy. Um, if you were able to work from home, then maybe you want to keep doing that, or or you know, or or a little bit of it. Um, so really looking at what what did you notice that you gained during this time? What did you notice that maybe you didn't really like, or was maybe too much? You know balancing a, a good thing there, there's a such thing as too much of a good thing right. <laughs> so, so you know there, there may be some things like that but so now that we have a little more options you know a year ago we didn't have a lot of options we had to do what we had to do um but now that we do have some options it would be easy to fall back into the pressure of doing everything like you did before but I think it's mm, we're entitled to think about well wait a minute do I want to do everything like I did before? And sometimes well, for some of my clients, they will think that they have to, you know, like I, my kids didn't do, you know, activities every day after school because we couldn't. But now that we can, I feel bad not to put them back in. Right. right? So maybe they secretly or maybe not so secretly enjoy not having to do all those things, but they have a hard time saying, well, I'm going to choose not to do all of that. So we'll work on like, what does that mean that, you feel like you have to, what's underneath of that. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be, again, the obligations of like what society is expecting or what my children are expecting, um, what my family is expecting. What does it mean to be like a mom? <laughs> like what is society putting on us? So it really does lend to deeper and deeper issues. And it's a good way to explore, not just for how they want to set up their lives going forward, but what are other issues that they maybe had all along? And, th- and that's one of the things that this pandemic has really highlighted are things that were already pre-existing mm-hmm. that we may, maybe weren't dealing with because we could just kind of get by, but right. maybe not thrive or just kind of get getting through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because so much of the world has changed, I have a lot of clients where they actually do have the option. You know, some employers want people to go back to work and some are saying, hey, maybe we only want you to go back to work one day a week or maybe you can make this permanent. 
So we do actually still have some options and some people might not. And so they might have to grieve over some of the things that they are losing going back into to the world. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of parents are happy to have their kids go back to school. Yay! I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually kept my one son that I still actually can make decisions for. My others are old. <laughs> One's too young, wasn't in school yet. And the others are older. We're like, they're going to choose what they want to do. We kept him and he was happy, you know, to do it at home as long as possible just because I like not having to rush to get into school on time. Like right. I just love the freedom of that and not yes. having a hectic morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the school day not lasting as long and then not having to spend all the time to pick them up. Like just some of those daily hassles, you know, that I was free of. And for some people that, that might not be a big deal to them, you know, for, for me it was. So like, I just kind of like the freedom of not being tied to another structure. But, you know, again, there can be too much of a good thing and, and, we're looking forward to, you know, maybe them going back to school and getting a little more structure in our lives as well. Yeah. And having a full school day. I mean, it's definitely difficult when you have like a three hour window, you know, you can barely go to the grocery Mm -hmm. store and come back and unload your groceries. It's time to pick up the kids. So it was definitely an adjustment for sure. But so what do you tell clients? And thank you for sharing all of that. That's really great um, advice in it. I think that people are really wondering kind of, you know, where to go now after um, everything has kind of reopened and, you know, like you said, all these Uh possibilities. So what do you tell clients when they want to have some sort of like a career change, like, you know, or like a really, really big change in their life? Like, how do you kind of help them manage the stress that goes with that? And maybe that that torn feeling, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I choosing the right path? How do you help your clients with that? Yeah, I mean, I would look at what is the stress about? So is it a financial stress? And if so, then we look at what you can do to safeguard from that and what you're willing to give up maybe to minimize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that goes also for the motivation of do they really want something, right? So you have, kind of have to look at what is it going to cost me? You know, my, my husband is a stay-at-home dad, and that means we don't have dual incomes. You know, maybe one day when the my youngest will be in kindergarten, so maybe he'll do something just to have something. But that means that, you know, there's certain things we're not doing that we're not going to spend money on or we're not going to like upgrade the house or, you know, things like that because we really like this life change. You know, we didn't know we'd like the life change until he'd gotten laid off. And then we're like, well, this is kind of nice. Maybe we should keep doing this. You know, yeah. maybe you can help me out with the business, with marketing and like stuff like that. Um, when our kid's older, he's not doing a ton right now because our kids just need too, too much care, but you really do need to look at it. Really, really evaluate the sacrifices. You know, when my two oldest girls were little, um, I wanted to move to an area that was really, really expensive, but had amazing schools and it's where I worked too. So I would be gaining a lot of time with them, but I would be paying a lot more rent, like almost double what I was paying. And so, you know, I basically had to decide, you know, to give up my car. And I was like, my car payment is the same as this. So I took this rundown, you know, really old Dodge Caravan minivan, like the base model that my mom had had like 10 <laughs> years before. And the transmission would flip. And I was like, didn't even know if I was going to make it. And I oh was like, God. you know, I'm going to work three miles from my house. Like, if it breaks down, I can walk. It's no big deal. <laughs> and, I, and I just decided what's more important, mm-hmm. this or this. And, and it was, then then it was an easy decision. Now, if I was going to do that to then move somewhere that didn't have good schools, that was further away from my job or something like that, I'd say, well, that's not worth it. Right. You know, so we don't want to beat ourselves up and say, 
well, I guess I didn't want it enough. Well, maybe you didn't, and that's fine. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with that. So kind of looking at that, looking at what is the worst case scenario, and if that happens, will you still be okay? And also, what does it mean if you don't decide that? Because often people will just, they're afraid to make a bad decision, right? But deciding not to do anything is also a decision, right? So yeah. saying, I'm scared it won't work, so I won't do it, that's you decided not to do it. And what is that going to feel like a few years from now? And really looking at, you know, if this um, doesn't work, will you still say, hey, you know what, I'm glad I know now. And right. kind of preparing for some failure, like that, that's, that's realistic, that's going to happen. Um, and really looking at their own sh- like tolerance for that. And there may be work that needs to be done first before, you know, can they tolerate rejection? If not, why and how can we, you know, work on that? Or again, the, sh- the financial stress, you know, looking at maybe where they can cut. So sometimes the things we think are necessities are really just, are really luxuries. You know? Right, right. Um, sometimes practicing, you know, gratitude, you know, really looking at, wow, I'm really grateful that I have this. You know, my house is really old and it needs a lot of work. And I got, we got it before I was licensed wasn't making a lot of money, but I was so sick of moving. So we got into it and there's like a lot of repairs that need to be done. And then found out I was pregnant right after we moved in. So all these reasons why we haven't done a lot of work right on it and had a love hate relationship with, you know, with this house. But when the pandemic hit, I was like, man, I am so grateful that I, my payment is low. And even if I take a big cut, you know, in, in revenue, it's going to be all right. Okay. We're going to have a home to live in. We have mm-hmm. food on the table. You know, as long as I can pay for my car, my house, and we got medical insurance, and got that, then nothing else really matters, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps, you know, because, you know, I, I have my own business too, so that nothing's guaranteed. It's about what I, the amount I work is, has a huge yep. correlation to the amount of money I make. So having the freedom of lower debt or lower monthly payments and low stress, low like number, like working hours. So mm-hmm. an increase in freedom, increase of time and space for me is the security for me, but not everybody's like me. So we have to look at, you know, what is it for this person? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? So it's a deeper kind of thing than, yeah. than just like, do the dollars and numbers add up? Now they certainly need to do that too. You know, right. um, but in therapy, I would be looking a little deeper at some of that, some of that stuff, um, right. yeah. uh, because Definitely. inevitably it will be hard. It will be stressful. And then also who are your support systems? Mm-hmm. How do you stay motivated? You know, to keep going is your business success where you're getting yourself worth from? Because if that's right. the case, you're going to struggle when things are difficult, you know, by thinking I'm not good enough. That's why my business isn't doing good or, or whatever decision is. I made a mistake. I'm a failure. That's going to make someone really, really struggle and maybe want to give up. Yeah. Um, but if you can say, Hey, no, I'm trying something that's really difficult. That is risky. And Oh, okay. That was a bad move. That marketing thing didn't really work. Move on, you know, and try just, something new. Yeah. 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 Then, then they can kind of ride that wave of, of defeat. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just had you just said a buzzword, which is risky. I'm such a risk taker. So I feel like for me and you know that I've pivoted a lot in my life and thankfully been successful, you know, a handful of times. So I, I continue to do this and branch yeah, out. Yeah. But I think for me as a risk taker, you know, if I didn't take that leap of faith or try at least, I'd have that right a feeling of regret. Like, why didn't I just try it? You know, and you do have to weigh the pros and the cons, of course. But, you know, you want to make sure that you're not like killing that inner spirit inside yeah. that wants yeah. to try something new, especially right. when something like a pandemic happens, you know, and this like shakes our world. And it just really 
makes us, you know, feel like, okay, we need to figure out what exactly we want to do with our lives now. You know, do we want to continue or you want to do be something different? And I think that it, we have to give ourselves grace too to, to kind of figure that out, you know, and, and nobody's going to be able to bounce right back after something so catastrophic happens. And however your family was, you know, affected, everyone's family was affected in some way, right? Small, big, whatever. But you just have to figure out how to, you know, move on from that. And hopefully it's for the better, really. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so important. So if you're listening out there and you are struggling with kind of how to, you know, move forward in your life and just, you know, take that risk as long as you're weighing it out and making sure that it's something that will be beneficial for you. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, if you fall, make sure you're going to be okay if you fall and you can put yourself right back up and, you know, try something new or go back to what you were doing before. You can always have that option as well, you know, so let's not limit each other, right? Let's not limit ourselves. And honestly, yeah. one of the ways to not limit yourself is to be able to recognize what do I absolutely really need? Mm-hmm. I mean, getting to a place where it's like, all I really do need to do is, I mean, I want more than just to survive, but I mean, like, if I'm so afraid to lose some of the luxuries I have, then we become more kind of almost like afraid to grow sometimes when right. I can really go, Hey, as long as I've got, like, can I fall back on again having a roof over my head and food on the table? Then, then I'm what fine. do I have to lose? As long as I yeah. have that floor of support, and right. so that requires some stability. In order to take risk, you need some stability. But looking at the stability doesn't have to be as high level of like quality of life as we think it does. And and when I say quality of life, I'm talking about like the what we in modern society often look at as like financial right. um, and the luxury items we have, material goods. Yeah. Um, but going a little deeper to like, maybe that's not really a, the highest quality of life. Maybe our time or our growth, right? Pursuing things you really are interested in that mm-hmm. you're passionate about and having the space and freedom and flexibility to be able to do that. I think that's what's going to give someone a much actual, actually a higher quality of life than I what completely agree. we typically look at. Absolutely. Definitely. And I think it's not all about money. You know, you, you can do something that you love and it might make you less money than say, you know, I always say this, you don't have to do whatever you're good at. You don't have to do that. You know, when I was younger, I was really good at math, but I hated math just because I was good at it. Doesn't mean I enjoyed it. Right. So don't put that pressure on yourself just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to make a living doing it, you know? Absolutely. You really don't just take that pressure off. So while I have you here, you know, I have a reality TV show podcast and it's on a reality TV network. So I want to kind of tie in mental health with this because you are a mental health clinician. And I know you don't watch a lot of reality TV, but I know you understand that, you know, production and editing does kind of create these like you know, villains on the show and, and people that they are basically showing this person way that they personally want to be shown because of the storyline or a storyboard or, you know, whatever it is to kind of fit the mold, because you do have to have a villain or, you know, an antagonist, right? Yeah, exactly. In the show. So there is a big show coming up called Bachelor in Paradise. And I know you're probably unaware, so let me just tell you real quick. It basically takes a lot of the contestants that were on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and they are thrown onto Mexican sand, and they get to form relationships and have fun and be physical and do whatever they want. There's really no rules, you know, but they do choose each other at some point. So there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, angst. There's a lot of sexual tension, all of these things. And a lot of times, 
you know, people are painted very poorly in paradise, as they call it. So, and I've had friends of mine that I've interviewed who have been on past seasons and have said it destroyed their mental health. So as a clinician in this field, what type of advice would you give someone who is going to be on this show knowing that there's a potential there that their whole character can be just completely defamed and they have no control over that? Or they're given a choice of either you do this and look really bad or you leave, right? So they are rewarded when they do these these um, dramatic behaviors and, you know, act out and things like that, which is very sad, but it's true. So what kind of advice would you give a contestant going on Bachelor in Paradise, knowing this is a potential outcome of them going? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's gossip or like, you know, when you're like in high school, only there's video recordings and it's shown not just your, not <laughs> just like your peers, but it's like the whole world. Right. Yes. And people will think that they're like, look, I saw the video right? Or I saw the picture and they think they know the whole story. Keeping in mind exactly what you just said, where production is like going to shape things. They're going to edit things a certain way. They're going to shape things. So they may not have the full script written out, but what they're doing is looking to see how things are developing and then taking advantage of that. They'll start to form, and this is what I'm imagining, forming a narrative and then thinking of a storyline that they may be able to take advantage of. And then then they start to shape it to make it that way, right? right? So that's why they're going to do editing. So I think most important is to be, you know, authentic to yourself. So oftentimes the reason why people would like reality shows and social media is the opportunity for authenticity. Um, That's what people usually like the most when they're watching it. But it's so hard to be authentic when your potential maybe career is on the line right? Or you're trying to market yourself as a brand, which is a lot of what, you know, influencers are are doing and everything. And so easier said than done to be authentic. So starting with being authentic with yourself and really looking at why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I playing a role as a character? And if so, that's okay. Is my character the villain? And when I say it's okay, I'm saying, there's no shame in that, right? If, if that's what you're you're deciding to do, but you got to ask yourself if that's okay. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It really is going to depend on what your kind of plan is, and realizing that these productions they're getting something from you, right? A lot of times people like just like, oh, I'm getting something from them, so they're eager to go on. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, this is a business arrangement. Yep. They wouldn't put you on if there's not, isn't something for them to gain. Right. There's so contracts. Yourself, yeah. Yeah. And you may mm-hmm. have to reevaluate as you're going through. You might have like, you know, I just want to be authentic and just see what happens. I want people to really know who I am. And then you may realize, wait a minute, I'm not in control of the narrative of who I am anymore. So right. keep evaluating. Do I still want to keep trying to be me or am I going to embrace the role mm-hmm. or am I going to be me? But as they still put me in the role, can I separate myself from that? Like, this is the character they drew for me, but I know who I really am. And my close friends and family know who I really am. Right, and right. And see it as a game because it is a game. And I know it's hard to say because obviously, like, you know, at least the, the intention, the premise of, like, The Bachelor is people trying to find real love. love. Yeah. And that can certainly still be the, the goal. But looking at the production value of it, that's not necessarily about you finding true love. No. 
(laughs) They want the drama. (laughs) Exactly. And so it's about a lot of being honest with yourself and disconnecting what the world says I am with what you are. And then some of it's going to be just business strategy. And that part, I'm not an expert. I mean, my job requires that I have to be authentic with people. I have my role. So when I'm the therapist, it's not about me and my personal life and, and my clients taking care of me but I still need to be myself with mm-hmm. them so I can connect with them. So I'm not as familiar with like how to manage a social media profile or how to manage like your image. In a yeah. Sense, Cause my image has to be authenticity. Like, you know, right. Right. And, and what I do is so private, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just me and my clients. So it's not like everyone critiquing everything I've said and done. So, yeah. So that's the other thing is, you know, I just want to kind of empathize with people out there and realizing that and and have compassion because I can't really imagine. So empathizing is tricky, right, for me, but I can empathize with the fact of, you know, this must be really hard, you know, to be exposed in this way Mm -hmm. um, to not be able to shape your own narrative of who you are, you know, for the public. Right. And I think that having, you know, them having maybe their own therapist to check in with because Mm -hmm. therapy can really help you to get that validation, to get the compassion, empathy, because a therapist is different from someone who's in your regular world. Because what we do is we take a one foot in, one foot out approach. We put one foot into your situation. So we, we care, we feel, we can empathize but we have one foot out knowing that this isn't our life this is you know the the client's life so Mm -hmm. we don't get as emotionally wrapped up so it's easier for us to stay non-judgmental you know versus like your mom might say well I told you you shouldn't right (laughs) mom's having maybe a hard time witnessing you in pain right she's wanting you to have avoided pain right Mm -hmm. where therapist is kind of like I can tolerate my client's pain yeah um, because they're not my children (laughs) (laughs) so maybe having someone that's kind of outside of your super close personal life that still certainly cares about you and and wants to see you know is in your corner you know and wants you to do well and be well to support you because you can't just trust people who are making financial business decisions to be looking out for your you know oh yeah Oh, yeah. And it's crazy because, you know, they become friends with these producers and they don't have their best interests at heart, you know, at any time. But they they definitely have these like fake friendships. I hate to say fake, but, you know, they're kind of contrived. Right. And it kills me to know that even the show doesn't have like an on-site therapist or after you get off the show, you don't have a therapist, you know, and I think that that the show really should provide you agree that they should provide some sort of counseling. I'm wondering if. I'm wondering if therapists would be willing to even do that because I would be thinking, I mean, there's, I'm sure there are some, I'm sure there are some, but I would be really worried about like, who's paying me. Right. And mm. are, will there be a conflict of interest? And I mean, I work with an employee assistance program where a lot of the clients, they, the company will pay for the services because they want, ultimately they want their to have healthy employees that could be really productive. Right. That's right. Why, because they recognize that a, an employee that's really struggling might not be as productive or if their family members are struggling might be as productive. I don't work for that company. It's a place this program. That's one company. Mm-hmm. Then other businesses pay that company to mm. provide. And then that, that company contracts with me. So oh, I'm wow. very, very independent, but it's interesting though, because I ha- would have clients come in. And one of the problems is that they're overworked and overstressed. And I often will think like, I'm going to really be recommending that they actually not be as like overly committed to their company. Right. And so like, you (laughs) know, this is private, you know, because if the company knew they might be like, get rid of her. Yeah. But if that was the case, then fine. I don't want to just patch people up and put them out. Yeah. You'll see like, 
like doctors for like professional sports or right it's like can you give them a shot and get them back out there yeah you know versus yeah. really what is in their that, best you know, interest person's best interest exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. no that's a really so, good but, point but you're right they you know <laughs> still need some help you know they still need some definitely some support oh yeah and especially when they come off you know the show they have so much hate in their dms and their you know in the comments on their posts and things like that i mean do you have any recommendation of how to manage that it's got to be so overwhelming and upsetting. Yeah, i mean not read it oh i know it's like it's so easy to say that but it's so hard to do that exactly exactly as in a lot of things when it comes to mental health or like we could do this but realizing that that's not easy you know no. so so one of the things that people do in general is we have something called confirmation bias. So whatever we already believe about ourselves, mm. we may find confirmation for that. So if you find yourself really noticing specific posts that are affirming something you already believe, like ask yourself, do I already believe this about myself? Because you right. could really look for that almost and notice that. If you already have a sense that I'm not good enough, right, or I need to earn being good enough, then you may really need validation. So you're going to maybe go to, you know, use social media or reality TV to try to get that validation. Mm -hmm. And, and at the same time, confirming that you're not good enough, because plenty of people are going to tell you you're not right, so you, you, even, even by the very act of, of being really entrenched in, you know, what your social media platforms are saying, all the people out in the world that don't actually really know you being really entrenched in like, you know, what are they saying about me? And, you know, am I trending positively or negatively or, yeah. or what? And I don't even know if those are the right terms. To say. <laughs> um, no, yeah. But you'll, you, yeah, you could just be actually repeating past nar you know, narratives or, you mm -hmm. know, it may not even be really healthy for you. But again, some people like that's your career. That's where you're making all your money. So I obviously have to be realistic. You might not be able to just like turn it off, but you may need an exit plan to eventually be able to do it. Again, right. this is if it's really severe and it's really, you know, making you like, you know, maybe feel suicidal. Or, yeah, and it, it you know, has, like you know, for some of then, these people. Yeah, then we got to start talking mm -hmm. about, hey, this is your life, you know, and maybe right. this isn't worth it. But right. if you're, but if you're like, no, I can kind of hang. This is my business, and this is how I make money, and it's just, it just gets me down sometimes. You know, it just depends on the level of severity, of course. Then uh, the other thing to think about is we also have a negativity bias, and this is just passed on from us from like our ancestors when like life was dangerous, you know, when, when you don't know if that berries, those berries are poisonous, or not, <laughs> you know, from like the hunter gatherer times, right? This is old, old stuff um, that we still have in us. And so the negativity bias means that we're going to pay attention to what's negative, to potential dangers, much more than like the positive things. And that mm -hmm. was to help us for survival, right? Like seeing some new berries you never saw before, if you just dive right in and eat them, right? Like you could be poisoned. So being yeah. a little cautious, hmm, I'm not sure. What should we do about that? That's normal for us. And the other thing is bad stuff is sticks to us too. Mm -hmm. So not only do we notice it more, it lingers with us where the good things that happen sometimes just roll right off of us right. rather than being really absorbed into like, Hey, wow, that I got a really good compliment. So yeah. these are just natural processes that happen within all of us. Again, from a time when we needed them to just to live, to, to, to not be like, you know, poisoned, poisoned. Or, eaten or whatever. Right. So, but we don't live in that society anymore. We don't live in that world anymore, but we still are kind of left with these remnants, you know, uh, yeah. of that. And so realizing that negative comments, that is not like the poison berries, right? You're not actually going to die for that. You don't right. have to give them that much attention. Right. The other thing I'm thinking of too, is we don't thrive on our own. 
we need, we're social creatures. We have to have this complex society to, to really survive and thrive. I mean, like if people don't agree, like go live in the wilderness by yourself and see what happens. <laughs> you know, we, we need, we need each other. And a long time ago, you may live with this in the same village your whole life and never know any of outsiders and outsiders. You're kind of like, we don't know you. We don't know if we can trust you. Right. Mm-hmm. So when somebody was ostracized from the community, like it used to be, the biggest punishment would be like getting kicked out of the village, you know, excommunicated. Right. And that was almost like worse than death because you'd have to walk to the next village. You could be, you know, murdered along the way or die of starvation or have some animal day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or when you get there, that new people might not, not accept you. So we actually do have some survival instincts built in to getting along, to being liked, to, ha- to being accepted into a group. So when your when your group is as big as it is on social media, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, when you're on a reality TV show, your social media is like gigantic, Huge, yeah. right? So then, when you're getting these negative comments, of course, it might trigger some like real anxiety and fear that it goes super deep to like the level of survival. Mm-hmm. It can really make you kind of like you know freak out in a sense, right? We're like as if as if there's a lion in the room that is going to eat you, right? Like, it's so hard to take rejection because of that. And again, this is something for us to remember and tell ourselves, okay, I'm actually not unsafe, right? The whole world can't excommunicate me. If I go to the grocery store to buy groceries, the person at the grocery store doesn't actually know me. They're not going to go, well, we don't like you anymore, so we're not going to sell groceries to you, right? Like, you're not going to actually die because a bunch of people don't like you. Yeah. I mean, if you think about there's... You can probably think of people who are despised, you know. Like cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, people still might be really, really wealthy and still, you know, do fine, you know, mm-hmm. even though there's much people that don't like them. So we have to kind of realize, like, okay, this is a deep-seated instinct from a time long ago. It, it is something I don't actually need to kind of subscribe to, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like our emotional mind and our, like, older part of our brain that's really instinctual, really about survival, and realizing like it's just it's not really needed right now so having compassion knowing it's normal but trying to put it in that context that it's really okay that people don't like me well and i think it's important also you know to utilize these features that are on instagram like the block button you know Mm -hmm. being able to block Mm -hmm. someone block their negative energy block them completely and you know especially on my page i always delete really negative comments like i don't need to have that on my page you know that could upset someone if it's not upsetting me it could upset someone so i delete it and i you know block Mm -hmm. that person or i restrict comments so only people that follow me can comment and people are in my DMs all the time. Why do you restrict comments? That's so stupid. I want to comment. I'm like, okay, well then follow me and then, you know, right. play by the rules. Like, you know, don't be negative. Right. So right. I don't know what you're yeah. going to say. I think that that's a brilliant thing to bring up. And this idea of like people thinking that they're entitled to mm-hmm. our time and our attention. Yeah. And social media makes it really easy to think that. And then yeah. they'll kind of maybe manipulate or twist things around and act like oh you're just trying to shape your comments to look good or you're just trying to do all these yeah. things right and that's not authentic or that's not honest mm-hmm. everyone's shaping all of that stuff yeah especially if you've been on a reality show where these companies have brewers have made a ton of money off you mm-hmm. because they shape things you know of course you have the right to shape your own stuff and right. besides even just that 
nobody's entitled to your time and your attention. Mm-hmm. Nobody's entitled. You got to set boundaries and be like, I don't know who you are. Right. You don't get to be, you know, in my, you know, inner story, unless you at least fall or whatever boundaries are right for you. I don't really go on Facebook much anymore, but that's the old one where I was on when I was younger. When I was first, <laughs> but like, you know, you can friend someone or not friend them. Right. Or right. you can block your you can like say only people who are my friends can, can see, see my this. page or whatever. Yeah. Right? And I don't know exactly how that works on the yeah. other. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. But yeah, like being able to say, you know, no, and, and whatever level that that makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're really struggling and you're like, these comments are too much for you, then that tells you that you need to have some more supports for yourself. Right. And, and you're, you deserve that. You're entitled to do that and do yeah. what's in your best interest. And, mm-hmm. And ask yourself kind of like, what am I valuing here? Like, what do I, even, let's say even, let's say social media is going great for you right now. And there's all these people that love you and everything's great. Well, I think it's good to step back and say, well, what about people in my personal life too? What, how am I doing there? Because it's easy to get caught up and get all this validation from everybody outside. And then maybe you're not really, you know, being a good friend or you're not giving anyone else your attention or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're, you're strengthening those relationships, the healthy ones, obviously, if they're not healthy, that's a whole different story. Um, but, um, trying to keep the healthy ones healthy because Mm -hmm. those are people who really know you. They're going to be there when everything falls apart because it's easy to say, Oh, I can get all this affirmation for other people, but I don't have to give anything to them. Right. Right. I've got all these followers and I don't have to follow very many people. Right. When there's that imbalance. Right. Um, Yes. Also, make sure you have relationships where you're giving into them too. Definitely. You know, a lot of these people on social media, they're very conditional followers. They're very conditional lovers. One bad thing happens you know, if, exactly. if they dig up something that you said 10 years ago and people all of a sudden want to cancel you, you know, because yeah. you're, you are seen as racist or, you know, sexist or whatever it is. And this is happening all the time. In fact, it just happened last night. Yeah. I feel like those people are so conditional. So you have to put your time and your attention, your investment in those people that are unconditionally loving you. Right, right. And if you don't have that well built up, then you can start building it, mm-hmm. right? Friends that are easy to lose weren't really that valuable in the first exactly. place. Exactly. So Good you really point. want to keep that in mind and not maybe take all of those followers as seriously. One do you like is TikTok only because when, when mm-hmm. I go in there, there's so much positivity. There's yeah. Just being silly and goofy. And, and I know like there's the algorithm. That, so maybe that's just my <laughs> me. I don't know. But That's okay though. You know, and that there can be a lot of good value in that and mm-hmm. saying like people that I don't even know just want to offer kindness. That matters. And, but not because that specific person, that specific person is not someone that loves you as a now, you know, there's the love of having love for you. That's going to be people you actually really know mm-hmm. that you're really close to where you're going to have this love for them, but they're offering loving comments, like as a verb, as an action, right? So you can kind of give love or give kindness to anybody. Right. And so you can value like, wow, that person was offering me that kindness. That's really cool. And, you know, enhance your like hope and humanity and your faith yeah. in that and like, this is great. And we want to spread that around like the ripple effect, right? right. Positive but then energy. those who, who either switch on you or they were just always negative, that's what they're trying to spread, mm-hmm. right? So you can ask them, do I want to absorb all that or bounce it back to other people? Or do I want to just kind of insulate myself and be like, ah, uh, you can't come in, but I'm not going to, because what often happens when we let all that negativity back in and it affects us in a bad way. Some of us either will internalize it and we'll think really terrible things about ourselves and that might be it. And we may maybe be quiet and we kind of back away and disappear, but others will then project it back outward right. and kind of like, I don't want to be bullied. So I'm going to bully others too. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we're not 
doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like, are we contributing positively to this space or this environment, right. or are we contaminating it? You know, right. And and, yeah. and that's why I set a precedence of just you know eliminating negativity altogether, whether it's a comment or if I need to block someone to just get that negativity out of my DMs. You know, it's like whatever I feel mm-hmm. I need to do, and I always yeah. encourage others to do that too. And I'm happy yeah. that people usually take my lead and do that as well. And it's it honestly helps overall it helps so much overall so Mm -hmm. that definitely is something that's so important well i have just loved this conversation Joni. this is wonderful and i love that you can speak to so many things you know in the mental health world and just counseling in general and i think just such an incredible resource and i'm so grateful to have you in my life now i do have a question are you currently taking new patients uh, my voicemail says I'm I'm not, but that's because I want people to start emailing me in. I'm still okay. in the, right in the middle of like kind of setting up a new system of taking in new new people, so it's not quite done yet. Okay. Um, through like my website, I'm making a lot of changes, but people can email me Perfect. directly, and then I'll you know can kind of talk with them about how it works and all that good stuff. My email address is Joni. It's J O N I at evolvefamilytherapy.com. Perfect. You guys, please reach yeah. out to Joni if you need any therapy in your life. And if you don't have any, I highly recommend you getting some. Even if you're having the best time of your life, if you're living you know, your best life, it's still so nice to have a therapist, you know, on hand to talk about, you know, big life decisions or whatever is going on. I mean, I just, I'm so grateful to have therapy in my life. And I just have to say, like, I recommend it to everyone. So take the stigma <laughs> off. You shouldn't feel bad about being in therapy by any means. And it's, you know, really just bettering yourself and helping you be a better person overall. So I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> well, Joni, thank you so much for joining me. This was thank a wonderful you. conversation. We'll definitely have to have you back. You're such a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. But you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe out there and always stay cozy. Till next time. Bye. Bye.